everybody, and welcome to episode number 36 of Glass City Game Time, one of America's great sports podcasts brought to you by The Blade. My name is Corey Christen, and thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate you checking us out on ToledoBlade.com, Unblade News Slide, or one of the various podcast outlets that you can find us each week. This week, we're talking about Major League Baseball and the absolute circus and the inexcusable bickering back and forth between the players' union and the owners about how they can restart their season. And here we are recording this on July 16th with no end in sight on whether the Major League Baseball season is going to be played or not. And that's not coming from me. That's coming from Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. Hopefully things can change and we get some better news, some sense of optimism over the next couple of days. But for now, we're just going with what we know. This week, I'm joined by Blade Sports columnist David Briggs. Hello, Briggsy. Hope you're enjoying this beautiful summer weather we're having right now. Absolutely, Corey. Always good to be on. Good to have you on, as always. I know big news coming out with the Marathon LPGA Classic. And uh, now news at Inverness, which we're going to talk baseball in this podcast. And I would say talk, but I would say rant, actually. But uh, that's pretty significant, I would say, with the uh, news that the LPGA is going to come to Inverness and then the marathon's getting moved real quick. Yeah, it's very cool. You know, Ohio's kind of going to be the epicenter of golf there for a while. With uh, On the men's side, first you're going to have the Memorial and then a, a second tournament kind of on the front end of that. Um and Memorial will be the first tournament back on the PGA Tour with fans, I believe. And on the LPGA side, the Marathon Classic at Highland Meadows will be the first tournament back, period. And, of course, first tournament back with fans uh, there. And then on the front end, yeah, an- another tournament added to similar setup with Columbus. You're going to have the, uh, I-, I forget what it's going to be called, but a three-day tournament at Inverness. I'm sure that's, you know, doing that in big part because the Solheim Cup is going to be at Inverness next year. You know, the women's version of the Ryder Cup, which everybody is really excited about, will bring huge crowds to Toledo. Um, so, yeah, I'll, uh, I think the LPGA golfers will, will be blown away by the, uh, by the restored and renovated Inverness, and uh, that'll be really cool to, to kind of have that variety two weeks in a row with the best players in the world here. So we have golf to look forward to, and we have just about everything else to look forward to. And if there's ever a time that Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, can be made to look like a rock star, Rob Manfred sure found a way, and that's, of course, the commissioner of baseball. I am absolutely floored by everything that's really gone on in the world of baseball ever since the middle of March, obviously with the pandemic shutting down Major League Baseball during spring training. That's one thing, but the absolute grenade throwing and the lack of ability to read the room. And you wrote about it last week, Dave, about how they're kind of missing the big picture here. Baseball is we'll get to the timeline of kind of everything that's going on here momentarily. Those that are listening in, I'm sure have a general idea of what's happening with major league baseball right now. What are your thoughts surrounding this? I guess you could call it a negotiation around this discussion about how Major League Baseball is going to restart, hopefully, in 2020. Yeah, no, I I think we're in lockstep here. I mean, it's a complete joke and a farce in in every way. I mean, if if the coronavirus had forced, you know, 
there not to be a season this year and safety was the issue, then everybody would have been, you know, sad and disappointed, but you would have understood and moved on. But, you know, against the backdrop of more than 20 million people unemployed, against the devastation of the coronavirus, you know, and obviously the, the conversation and unrest, um, you know, related to, to race and just everything that's going on in this country for Major League Baseball and the players to be battling over nothing but money is just, you know, kind of beyond the pall. And uh, it's, it's, I guess it's, I guess it shouldn't be surprising given the, uh, you know, really the, the distrust between the players association and, and uh, ownership that really dates back a half century. I mean, you look at the, you look at the other leagues and, you know, the NBA and NHL and NFL, they certainly have their labor squabbles, even occasionally strikes and work stoppages. But I mean, <laughs> that all looks like, I mean, it looks like they're all best friends compared to major league baseball. And, and it, it's just, it, it really is just remarkable. I mean, they're just, I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, it's the most tone deaf inability to read the room, just complete disconnect from reality. It, neither side willing to, to budge an inch in the, in the interest of the greater good of the game. It's just very, just very frustrating. And, you know, really they're making their own bed. I mean, if you, obviously, you know, nobody's going to have a, a perfect situation here. And I generally do side with the players in these situations. And I do hear with them more than the owners. I think if you look at it, you know, Owners, if they had unexpected profits, never in a million years would they share any of that with the players. So the players are saying, "Hey, you have unexpected losses. Why would why should we share in this?" So I understand it from that perspective, <laughs> but I mean, they're just—it's just a—it's just a suicide mission here. I mean, you're you're squabbling over a, a couple hundred million dollars when you're talking about the growth of the game, the goodwill, the feel good. Just, just the complete feel of the game going forward. I mean, you could have had a total feel-good bonanza with them coming back on July 4th, have the stage, the country all to yourself, and it's just all been thrown away. And now it seems like they're they're content to just burn it all to the ground in terms of uh, just for a petty labor dispute. You have these owners who made tens of billions of dollars in revenue last year collectively from merchandise and TV sales and na local and national. And you have players. I'm on the players' side here for the record. And they're playing these games. They deserve to get paid. You know, you're doing a job. You deserve to get paid for it. The fact that we have these owners scraping the bottom of the barrel, at least that's how they describe it. And you hear how Rob Manfred words this stuff and how he's not really pushing the envelope one way or the other. He's not really pushing the envelope to the owners or pushing the envelope to the players. I mean, he's remaining about as neutral as he can get, and that's a huge issue for me, is that we have this commissioner who's solely set on hitting that panic button, which is the mandated 48-game season, which I'll get to here momentarily. He's so content on doing that that he doesn't realize the dramatic after-effect he's going to have on this because... You look at the collective bargaining agreement that, by the way, still needs negotiated. If the players and the owners can't come together on restarting a shortened season where all of the safety protocols are already ironed out, this isn't a situation where they're worried about players contracted COVID-19. The groundwork is there for the safety. And if the NFL and the NHL and MLS and, and golf 
If they can all figure it out, then I don't understand how baseball can't either. You look at the timeline here. They shut down March 12th in spring training. March 27th, MLB Players Association, they agreed to not sue for full salaries in the event of a canceled season. So they're laying out the groundwork for everything here. In April, they start to float ideas being Major League Baseball to have some kind of a season, which included playing in Arizona, playing in Florida, playing in Texas. It really didn't go anywhere. Now we're in mid-May, Briggs, and they're approving a revenue-sharing plan, they being the owners, to approve a plan for an 82-game season that would begin on July 4th. And I mean, you mentioned it. How great would July 4th have been? You got fireworks, baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, Chevrolet. You got the whole band back. You're the first sport back. You're capturing the fan base again. I wasn't a coherent adult in 1994 when they went on strike, the last labor strike. But based on reading and researching, baseball didn't gain its feet again until 1998, really, when the Yankees were on fire and you had the home run race between McGuire and Sosa. And then you go to May 14th, the MLBPA asked MLB to open its books. May 26th, here come the sliding skill salaries with proration and the plan basically an 82-game season, prorate the salaries, and the actual proposal comes out to about 24% of the original salaries, which... Of course, players are not okay with. Counterproposal, MLBPA says 114 games with full pro-rated game pay. And again, we're both on the player's side here, and the owners are not going to give that full pro-rated pay. June 8th, MLB counteroffers. June 9th, MLBPA says, okay, we'll go from 114 down to 89. I mean, we're at June as we record this, 16th. Rob Manfred says... We're going to 100% play. And then June 15th, he says, it's no longer 100%, and the players better not file a grievance. So the constant back and forth, no healthy negotiating. There's no way that the players are going to back down from the 100%, but they have to. It's just a whole mess. And now you have a sport, which should have been the first back. It's going to be the last back if it comes back at all. Right. No, absolutely. It's a, it's a complete joke. And uh, and the one thing I would say is just I don't you know I'm, I haven't been a fan of how Rob Manfred has handled this either either but it's important to remember you know he's working for the 30 owners I mean whatever he's saying is coming straight from them I mean he isn't unilaterally making any decisions here I mean his hard line uh, you know everything here and you're right I mean he could handle this better but it's it's absolutely on the owners here um, why we're in this mess. You use the word unilaterally. That's where we're at right now, is that Rob Manfred can unilaterally impose a shortened season, a 48-game season, where players would get their prorated pay. But realistically speaking, what does 48 games do? If you're going to have the playoffs the way they are, you're going to have this sprint season that's going to end. They're also concerned, by the way, of a second wave of the coronavirus breaking out in the fall, which, you know, if they're in the middle of the postseason and a player tests positive, do they have to stop? There's all kinds of health and safety questions that surround that, and that's a thing that Major League Baseball should be concerned about. But what I don't understand is you have this commissioner who is doing the owner's bidding for them, and the owners are doing doing the bidding for pennies on the dollar when they made billions of dollars in revenue last year, you have players that are demanding what they should be demanding, which is full pay. But what I don't understand is if they can't negotiate this, 
how can they be expected to negotiate a new labor agreement? No, absolutely. I mean, it seems like we are heading for that kind of Armageddon option. And uh, the one thing I would say is just, you know, it, it, the thing that's crazy to me is, you know, obviously, like you said, a 48-game season would be a total farce. I mean, that's less than less than one-third of uh, of the season. I mean, it, I, I, don't, I don't even, again, I don't even know where to begin there. But, you know, you could have a 75-game season, and, yeah, that wouldn't be great, but that would lend a little more legitimacy to it. And I'm not completely familiar with the exact numbers, but I believe I've read that, the difference in what they're arguing about, if you were going to pay the players full pay for 75 games for, say, 48, it would add up to about an extra $20 million per team. Is that worth, you know, the the just the the total damage to your sport to, to be haggling over this amount of money? It's just, I mean, it's a, I know when you say a few hundred million dollars, and that might, that might sound like a lot, but when Major League Baseball pulled in $10.7 billion last year, they just added another billion-dollar postseason TV deal uh, over the weekend, and obviously the, the Players Association is, is using that as a, a negotiating point, too. But for an extra $20 million per team, I think you're gaining a lot more value in the long run by just having a feeling of, of just having good feelings around the game versus everybody, I don't even know the word, I mean, but everybody just completely resenting you. You, you, you go back to the 1994 strike, I think they, uh, I think attendance dropped at about 6,000 fans per game um, from 1994 to 1995. And, you know, obviously people here were a little insulated from that because, you know, that was obviously the height of the Cleveland Indians and they were selling that every game, but that was, that was the anomaly. So, I think that 6,000 per game drop and the lack of interest, I mean, that might seem like nothing compared to if you were unable to come to an agreement against the backdrop of what's going on in this country. I mean, it would, it would, be, it would just be completely unforgivable, and I just don't understand what they're doing. He's killing baseball. It's, there's no other way to put it. He's killing the game. You have a sport that's already third, we can collectively agree on, behind the NFL and the NBA in terms of popularity in the United States, that national pastime moniker is way, way behind us. Manfred's making Gary Bettman look really good here in the NHL. Bettman has been criticized for his fair share of decisions. And now you have the NHL, which is the most contact sport ever. You have the commissioner of the league asking the players, what do you want? You want this? You want this amount of pay? Okay, let's pitch it to the owners. The owners agree on it. Here we are. They made that look so seamless. And here you have Rob Manfred with the health protocols in place, with the lack of the contact in the sport, with the starvation of the sport right now, where, yeah, it is third, and you could have been back on the 4th of July playing with hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet, and now we're here talking about it falling back between the weeds. This is totally a lack of seeing the forest through the trees here. When you have this situation where you're losing the interest of even diehard. I grew up here in Youngstown where I'm sitting right now and, you know, it was all Indians and then it was some Pittsburgh Pirates and you grew up watching, you know, going to games at the Jake and going to games down at Three Rivers in PNC for me. And, you know, that was it. That was my childhood growing up. You go to Little League practice, you come home and watch the Indians. That's not happening this summer. You go back and look at the offers that Major League Baseball made. Original offer, 82 games, postseason expanded to 14 teams, which is a thing that the players wanted. That's a concession 
that Major League Baseball offered. The pay sliding scale salaries between 72.5% and then 20% of per game pay, which comes out to about 24% of the original salaries. MLBPA says no way, 114 games, full prorated salaries. That comes out to 70%. So if those are the starting negotiating numbers, you would think that they would move somewhere closer to in the middle. The thing that I'm bothered by is June 8th, Major League Baseball's second offer. They doubled down on the prorated, and they think they're coming up a bit by offering 76 games, expanding the playoffs by two more teams, and then the 75% of per-game pay if the postseason's played, that comes up to 35% with a postseason. Players still say no way. The PA goes down to 89. So the PA is doing their job in negotiating. And then you have Rob Manfred saying, we're going to play no matter what. We're going to impose if we have to. The unilateral 48 games. MLB's third offer, they come down to 37% if the postseason's played. And I mean, if you're the Players Association, you have to keep fighting for 100% a hard number to come off of. Let's say if they come down to 80, right? 80% for 82 games. Isn't that more feasible? And isn't that something that the owners could have worked with? It doesn't even seem like the owners wanted to work with the players on trying to find that happy medium where everybody could get paid and everybody could still make their profit. No, I agree. And I agree. I mean, you know, it was going to take, a, you know, some efforts to find common ground. But I didn't necessarily completely agree with the players demanding 100% pay, hard line. I mean, obviously, so many people in this country have had to, uh, you know, make concessions to uh, to get by here. So, but you're right. I mean, they were, they were clearly more willing to uh, to move off, or yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> either side looks good here, but you're right. I mean, and the thing I don't understand now is just you know they've told they've told Manfred. Manfred came out and said, you know, if, if we can't reach a deal, I'm going to unilaterally impose a, you know 48 50 game season. Players, you know, said, all right, whatever, we're done negotiating. Neither side's negotiating in good faith. Well, the players' association thinks they are, but but um, but just do it. Just just impose the damn 50 game season and let's get on with it. What's 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 the holdup here? Yeah, 50 games won't be ideal. It won't be good, but it's a heck of a lot better than not having any baseball at all. Just in terms of, like you mentioned, killing the game. If you're out of sight, out of mind, no revenue coming in for 18 months. I don't know, man. I mean, that's that's pushing it. That's I don't know. Manfred right now has blood on his hands. There's no better way to put it for me. It's pathetic. It's it's a disgrace to the good faith of the fans that really do follow it and that do purchase tickets and purchase the MLB.com packages and the radio, the TV, the, the, the deals that the owners make to make these billions of dollars in revenue. I, I mean, you're losing the faith of your fans right now. And it, it's it's a bad practice of business. It's, it's devastating. I just can't help but to feel... I'm angry, first of all. That's my biggest feeling is that I'm angry over the fact that this game could have been the first to come back, could have recaptured the nation. You could have grown new fan base. You could have marketed. First of all, the marketing and Rob Manfred has been a, a crap storm from the second he took office as commissioner when you have Mike Trout being told to market himself. I mean, that's what Manfred essentially said. You have your biggest star in the game being told to market himself. You got Mike Trout, you got Garrett Cole, no Lindor, no Nolan Arenado, no Clayton Kershaw. 
we were supposed to hate the Astros together this year, Briggs, and now we can't even do that. It doesn't feel like we can at least, even with 48 games. That's not enough. And by the way, <laughs> speaking of that, the MLB draft last week, did you notice the Astros were punished? It's so ridiculous to me how Manfred has handled these last year and a half, I should say, of what's transpired throughout Major League Baseball. I feel like I'm going to start repeating myself here with some thoughts, but where does baseball go next, I guess, is the question. If this 48-game season does happen, and it's the imposed season, and the players are now saying, tell us where and when. They're done negotiating. All their cards are on the table. All their chips are towards the middle. They're done talking to the owners. So this 48-game season, let's say it happens, you play it out, declare a winner, which I would put an asterisk over it at that point. You have this labor negotiation coming up. What do you think is the next step that baseball can take to either get something healthy registered between the owners and the players or to get the good faith of the fans back? What's the next step? I don't know. I mean, I, I still do think the next step this year is them eventually both sides just kind of biting the bullet and agreeing to that 48-50 game season that starts in mid-August, ends at, ends at the end, or begins in early August, ends at the end of September, and then you have the full postseason, which comes with obviously a ton of TV revenue. So postseason would probably feel a little bit normal. You know, you'd have the whatever it would it would. Uh, I, but you're right. I would I would put an asterisk there, and, and the big question would be how do you recover from this going forward? Because no matter what happens, this is going to leave a pretty sour taste, um, you know, in everyone's mouth. And I, I try to go back to the 1994 strike. Obviously, in, in some ways, I mean, that might have been worse just because you, you canceled the World Series. I mean, that's that's as unforgivable as it gets. And, you know, I was only 10 years old at the time. So looking at it through my eyes, I was, you know, just ecstatic for baseball to come back and, just thrilled so i mean it, it wasn't obviously the the standard person i'm sure kids will be the same way this time right if, if kids still uh if kids still love baseball in the same way but yeah are you gonna it's obviously a very aging population of fans um this was your chance like you said to maybe recapture the american imagination remind people what makes it so special and, and just and just everything. Just such a missed opportunity and I don't know. I think they're it's just gonna kinda continue on as a as a as a solid regional sport. Some markets will will, you know, fall back in love with the team a little quicker than others. You know, that maybe that team that has the magical run like the Indians did in nineteen ninety five, they'll recover quicker. But overall I'm sure you'll you'll see attendance continue to decline. Already was on the decline. Um you probably see revenues start to stagnate a little bit, even as the national TV rights go up. And, and um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just kind of a, a stagnation to steady decline that's just accelerated by this totally avoidable situation. You're going to see the Yankees sell. You'll see the Dodgers sell. You'll see the Red Sox sell. You'll see maybe the Cubs sell. Maybe the Giants. I- I'm just trying to think of markets that. After all of this, you could realistically bring back, and I know the jokes were made years ago about Sunday Night Baseball was the featured Yankees-Red Sox game of the weekend. You might have to go back to that formula now to bring back. You have stars in New York. You have a litany of stars in the NL East. You have the Dodgers that are incredible. So there are teams that can be springboarded, but again, the 
absolute lack of marketing done by Rob Manfred for his own sport in the past, see Mike Trout, doesn't give me good faith. And I mean, I can hear it in your voice, too, when you're talking about growing up as a kid, seeing it in 94, and really it didn't take back off until 98 with we just had the the documentary, the 30 for 30 on Sosa and McGuire in the home run chase. It really didn't pick up until then. And you've covered the game in a professional way. You've obviously been a fan your whole life. Does this feel like it's the low point of baseball in this in this amount of time, in such an amount of time? Does it feel as bad as it seems? I mean, really, what are the thoughts in, in your head around how baseball is perceived right now and maybe how even you you perceive it? Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, obviously it's been on a, a, you know, a bit of a steady decline as a national sport. It's just turned into such a, a regional thing. And I mean, these regional television deals reflect that. I mean, attendance is still strong while it's on the decline and, and the regional TV numbers are great, but I don't know. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to put it into perspective. I do think this is as low as baseball has been in the modern era, you know, the last 50, 60 years at least, um, it's a little bit hard to put it in context just because everything feels so upended right now. I mean, obviously, none of the leagues are in great shape. I mean, a lot has been lost here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, if you're asking if it's as low as I – certainly the lowest point in my lifetime, lower than the 1994 strike, which was regarded as the darkest hour. And this is certainly uh, – this will certainly top that just because of what's going on. The thing is, aside from – the hardcore fans and the diehards, I don't know how much it's going to be missed, even by some of those hardcore fans. If you feel the national temperature right now, the pulse for baseball really isn't there. It's a shame to say that. It's a shame to think that. Right, and this is the last sport that could afford that just total halt of momentum. And even if even if they come back, of course it'll come back next year, but is it going to be full capacity stadiums by April if there's not a vaccine for the for the virus? I, it's just this is the last sport that could really afford just a just a complete stall of of pretty much everything. I mean, when you go to a baseball game in the summer, you know, you're you're there to have some beers and have fun, and and it's, you know, you look at the mud hens, you're there to you know go to a sold out game on a weekend, and, and just for the for the party atmosphere. And it's the same way at the major league level in a lot of ways in the summer too. And, and even going forward, I mean, this is obviously going to have lasting effects beyond the resentment. Are you going to have full stadiums? It's just, it's just, it, everything is just, yeah. It, it's just the when you talk about the, you know, the upswing of the NFL and the and the NBA. I still think Major League Baseball has more revenue than the NBA overall. I think it's like ten point seven billion to eight billion, maybe. But you're right. I mean, the NBA is just in terms of the the cultural the cultural feel and. And certainly the younger audience has, has lapped that. So, I mean, that's, that's certainly more of the future. So, yeah, it's just uh, not a great time for uh, for baseball here. The golden opportunities have been long gone to get baseball back on the forefront. And it's almost the second chance that slipped away, it feels like at least, to get baseball back into prominence. And now with the CBA expiring, we'll see how they handle that. Although now I don't have much of a good faith in that. Uh, again, we could keep going here and repeating ourselves, but A, I know you have somewhere to be shortly, and B, I feel like I'm going to say some bad words that'll get this podcast kicked off of the air, so I'm going to hold back. Any final thoughts before we let you go here, Mr. Briggs? 
No, I'm good. I just enjoyed talking to you. I wrote uh, wrote for tomorrow. I'm kind of uh, if there if there's still a sliver of hope for there to be some form of baseball in Toledo this year, maybe in the form of a, a taxi squad. I think uh, I think we all agree that pretty much no chance for a minor league baseball season this year. It, it, would, it would certainly seem inconceivable. I guess there's, I guess hey, anything can happen. But you know, Baseball America reported the teams have been asked if baseball does come back to start scouting locations for a taxi squad, which on top of the expanded 30-man roster in the big leagues would mean, you know, 20 to 25 players who work out and play inter-squad games. That would probably be a mix of your fringe veterans so you could plug and play in the major leagues and, and probably also your top prospects who you want in a controlled environment. So Toledo would probably be a, a natural fit for the Tigers. You know, it's their closest affiliate. They have the closest working relationship. Um and you'd certainly have a lot of enticing prospects from the, you know, the pitchers we thought would be here this year in Toledo, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, you know, Fayedo. And then you'd have some of the, the huge bats that uh, obviously we didn't expect to see in Toledo. Riley Green, the 19-year-old out, outfielder the Tigers drafted in the top five last year. And then uh, just Spencer Torkelson, the number one overall pick the other day out of Arizona State, you know, maybe those could be guys that, that played on a taxi squad just to kind of, you know, as a substitute for a minor league season, uh, they might play at those workouts. So it wouldn't, uh, you probably wouldn't have fans at those games, but it would be kind of cool at the least to, uh, you know, to have this this team of super prospects converge in Toledo. I mean, the, the, if you're talking about Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, I mean, that's four of the top 30 35 prospects in the game right there. So maybe we'd have to uh, look through those iron gates or with the bat hole gang out on St. Clair Street. But uh, at least it would be something. I don't know. Well, that's another thing with that we haven't even talked about or scratched the surface on is the lack of a minor league season this year. No Mudheads this year, and there are 42 teams that were supposed to have a alleged uh, final victory lap, if you will, for a season this year, including the uh, Mahoney Valley Scrappers and the Connecticut Tigers in the New York Penn League of the uh, Indians and Tigers organizations. But now it looks like they're not even going to have a shot at that. And uh, no Mud Hens baseball this year. So, yeah, maybe you see some Tigers prospects congregate in Toledo and uh, maybe some Indians prospects do it in East Lake, where the uh, Lake County captains are in the low A in the Midwest League. That'd be interesting to see if they find some way to get some competitive baseball in this year. But, uh, wow, that's another thing we haven't even gotten to scratch on is minor league baseball. Hopefully they could figure that out. I'm going to save my final thoughts because, again, I don't want to get kicked off the uh, podcast airwaves for bad words <laughs> for now. I, I just think uh, the, the final thought that I would have is uh, the basketball tournament, TBT, is coming back July 4th. And uh, Carmen's crew, the Ohio State alumni team, is the defending champions in that. Now, Bayheim's Army, my, my Syracuse alumni, we're third overall seed, so we're trying to come back on that. I'll be watching the TBT coming up on July 4th. At least something will be played July 4th, but uh, likely won't be baseball. Dave, thanks for the time. We'll be sure to catch up with you pretty soon here. Thanks, Corey. Take care, man. You got it. Thanks, Dave. And thank you at home for listening to episode number 36 of Glass City Game Time. If you enjoyed the show or want to go back to listen to previous episodes, we've had some great guests in the past few weeks here talking to Andy Tracy about BGSU baseball, 
talking to Jerry Snodgrass of the OHSAA. You can find those episodes and every episode of Glass City Game Time on ToledoBlade.com, on Blade News Slide, and on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Please give us a like rating and please share this episode. That goes a lot further than you think, and we greatly appreciate that. So, for David Briggs, my name is Corey Grisson. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.